I'm going to speak for a few moments, and then we're going to go back into some worship. Man, y'all came ready to worship today. Uh, I, I, I looked at uh, one young lady uh, that's here today, and last week, or last week or the week before, I think it was the week before I went home, and I said, man, every time I see that young lady worshiping, my heart just, just wells up within me, just so engaged, and I love looking around and seeing that you showed up ready to worship today. And you're going to be happy you did, because I'm going to be talking about worship for a little bit. So you're already ahead of the curve. You're like, I knew that. That's why I showed up the way I did today. Hey, would you bring those blinds up for me so I can see these people's faces? It's Labor Day weekend. Anybody got anybody off tomorrow? Who's grilling out? Raise your hand. What time, Joel? Oh, no, I need tomorrow. I can't do this afternoon. I'll be napping this afternoon. All right. Who's grilling out tomorrow? Jared, Madison, y'all grilling out? Okay, we'll see y'all. What time? All right. Well, we've been talking about open doors. We've been talking about uh, the key. Uh, We believe that we're coming into a season as a church where God is opening doors for us. And he has. It's been amazing to hear uh, people give testimonies back of the open doors that have happened in their life. Uh, someone told me yesterday that their boss called them in and said, I've got a bonus for you. Uh, it's been a good year. Got a bonus for you. And wrote him, gave him a check for $15,000. Come on, hello. That's a bonus right there, ain't it? And, uh, and this person was just blown away by it and just kept saying, open doors, open doors. We believe in that, that we're in a season where God is opening doors. Isaiah 22 says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. And what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. We also read John chapter 10 where Jesus said, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. We'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so some folks believe that they just see this relationship with Jesus as just the door, but it's more than a door. The door leads you into the sheepfold, which is the people of God, the flock, the house of God, the safety of the sheepfold. But then from there, the, the, the walk of God, the life with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God is not constricting. He said, you're going to be able to go in and out and find pasture. A life and a relationship with God is not about less, it's about more. So I want you to look at the third choice today, your third choice, because you skipped them twice. Look at your third choice and say, I'm sorry that I saved you to a third. Tell them, say, I'm sorry I saved you to a third. You're not even looking at her, coach. Look at her. Come on, man. Just look at you. Say, I'm sorry I saved you to third, but God has more for you. Come on, say it. God has more for you. How many believe that? How many feel like you've hit your limit of what God has for you? I'm done. I've hit it, my quota. I want to see your hands again. How many believe that God has more for you? Now I want to ask you this. How many receive more from God today? I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the fact that God has more for you. I want to expand our minds, our hearts, our spirits, our faith. I want, us to, I, want to, I want it to begin to grow. The reason that God has more for us is because He knows that we need more from Him. There's no way we're going to do everything God's called us to do if we just do it with what we have. We must have more from God. Now, you may feel like that, that you're not good enough for God to give more of Him to you. Or you may feel like that, that, that you've messed up too many times. I want to tell somebody today that God has more for you. 
Or you may, have been, you may have been a believer for so long that you feel like you've reached the end of eternity with God. And you've done every catechism that there is. You've gone through every class there is. You've read the Bible front and back and you feel like you are done. There is more for you. God has more. God doesn't have more. He has so much more. And today I want to talk about the way to get it. There's only one way to get more of God. To get all that God has, you must seek Him with all that you have. We talked about it last week, a hunger and a thirst. To get everything that God has for you, it requires you and I to seek Him with everything that we have. Jeremiah 29 and 13, it says this, You will seek me and Find me. First of all, I'll stop right there. I don't know about you, but I was raised in my, in my religious upbringing that God was hiding from me. How many of you have felt that before? That it's like God says he's got a lot for me, but it's like a big Easter egg hunt to find out what it is. And just when I think I'm getting close to him, he jumps and hides behind another tree. But that's not how God is. God says, you will seek me and you will find me. That should be the end of my message right there. That just should be such encouragement that God wants you to. I mean, when the boys were young and I would play hide and go seek, and I, they must have thought I was the worst hider in the world, you know, because I would just hide behind something like this, you know, like this mic stand. And I see you, Dad. Why? I wanted them to find me. It's exactly the only reason he wants us to seek him in the first place is that tells you who's hungry for him or not. He's not hiding from you. He says, you're going to seek me and you will find me. But then he adds this caveat to the end of it. When you seek me with all your heart. Everybody say all. All. Now, those who have been around the hills long enough and you've heard me speak, you know what a theologian I am. And you know how I like to dig deep into the meanings of words, right? You dig down to the deepest meaning of the word all and you know what it said, what the meaning of that word is all. See, that's the stuff you don't get at any other church right there. That kind of depth, all. All right, Mississippi is everything. When you seek him with all and everything, okay, every bit of it, Jesus said, they asked him, they said, what's the greatest commandment? And he referred back to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. He said, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must serve the Lord God with? Come on, help me preach, all right? You must serve the Lord your God with? Your heart and with? Your soul. And somebody get up on that octave now. And with? Oh, I heard you. I heard somebody. With all. This week, I study all around the house. So I've I've got my study at our home. And, uh, but I'll, I'll study everywhere. I'll be outside. I'll be in our living room and our, and our, me and Kristen have these two chairs that sit side by side. The older we get, we just spend more time there. Just, I tell her they're not rockers, they're gliders. That's a big difference. Okay. We glide and swivel. Okay. But I, I was in that, in that rocker, uh, this week and I, I had some uh, music playing and I was going over the message for this, this week and I, I made a statement. Kristen was in the kitchen and I made a statement and she came around the corner and she said, what did you just say? And I said it again and she said, 
Oh my, she came and sat down beside me. She said, you have got to say that on Sunday, okay? So I'm saying this on Sunday, and I fully expect the same kind of response that she gave me, okay? I said this. I said, I'm not sure when anything less than all and everything became an option. I'm going to say it again. That was a good one. I want you to hear what I'm saying, though. I'm not sure when it happened that anything less than all and everything became an option. But somehow, living for God, it's optional now. It's not either. When he said all then, he means all now. When he said everything then, he means everything now. Not a portion, not a part, not this, not that. All. Everything. The fact that he said all, and now somehow we have kind of turned that around to Christianity light or whatever it is, you know, where we just feel like we're going to give him this part of ourselves, that part of ourselves, but this part of me, I'm going to hold on to because I don't know if I really agree with all that or not. What is the meaning of all? 100%. As humans, we do as much as we can to give as little as we can. We do. How many of you would go out of your way expending all kind of energy not to do something right here? Raise your hand. That person that you don't want to talk to, you will spend a lot of time to go around here and act like you're on the phone and all the stuff you're doing. Uh-huh. How many of y'all ever been on the phone and it rings? Raise your hand. You ever? Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so, oh, oh, I lost you. Sorry. Yeah, I thought I was just talking. We do. We expend so much energy. We try to. We do all that we can to give as little as we can. You ever heard the the statement? Well, it's the least I could do, right? The translation of that is: If I could have done less, I would have. Some of you, you'll never think that. Every time you say that, now you'll think of that, right? If I could have given you a little less without you being upset, that's what I would have done. But that's not how God gives. That's not how God gave. He didn't go and pick the kid that embarrassed him and send him to the earth, did he? He didn't go pick the one that was always rebellious and disobedient and God didn't really like him at the dinner table anyway. He didn't go get him. No. He got his best and his first and his only, his prized possession. That's what God gave. He gave all of him. He didn't say, well, you can just have this part of him. I'm going to send his intellect to you. I'm going to send his wisdom to you. No, he said, I'm going to send his body to you, his blood to you. I'm going to give everything, I'm going to give every bit of him to you. And you can massacre him if you want to. And that's what we did. He gave all. And that's the same thing that he requires of us. Because that, how many ever read the five love languages? Raise your hand. If you've read the book, The Five Love Languages. Okay, put your hand on. How many have not read it? Raise your hand. Okay, get up right now. Go to Barnes & Noble. No, don't do that. 
Go get that book. It's very important. Get that book. It'll help you in your relationships. It'll help you in your marriage. It'll help you. The premise of the book is there's five different love languages, and each of us have a primary one that we give love and receive love. Touch is one of them. Uh, Words of encouragement, gifts, quality time, acts of service. Those are, how many know what your love language is just by me saying that, right? Yeah, right away. God's love language is all. God's love language is everything. Not just a little, everything. He does not know any other way to give. And so because of that, he does not know any other way to receive love. If we're not giving him everything that we have, then it's nothing. You shall love the Lord your God with all. How many would agree with me that that's a really hard saying? Raise your hand. Right now, you're like, I can't even pay attention to you talking right now, much less the fact that you're telling me I've got to give him everything and all. Let me explain a little better what that means. Romans 12 and 1. Romans 12 and 1. I encourage every single person that is a believer, and even if you're not a believer, to master Romans chapter 12. I think there's two passages of Scripture that you really should master, Romans 8 and Romans 12. I always tell tell people that if you open up the Bible in the middle of it, not actually, but the spine of the Bible falls into Romans. Romans 8 and 12. You want to know what it's all about, the beginning and the ending, what it's all about. Y'all got it? Are you getting it? Have I said that enough? Okay. Romans 8 and Romans 12 are so powerful. But look at what Paul is trying to get across to the, the, the people that he's writing to. He said, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. One, one scripture says, I beseech you. I implore you. I rip my garments. I, he, I scratch at myself. I want you to get this, how important this is. I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Sacrifice The kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now the people that he was writing to would have understand, understood what he was talking about. You and I don't have an understanding of a sacrifice. We don't understand. But they would understand that when you bring a sacrifice... You would bring that animal and you would present it to the priest. You didn't get it back. It wasn't a loaning. It wasn't an investment. You gave it. And that animal would be killed. Blood would be shed. And then it would be laid upon an altar and consumed with fire. That's giving, right? That's not, I'm going to give this to you, but I expect a return on my investment. I expect a quarterly report on what I have given you. No, it's giving. Worship is all about giving, not receiving. And yet, many of you, and I'm guilty of it as well, I come to church and I call it a worship service, but I'm there to see what I can get out of it. I leave and go, man... That music encouraged me. The message, yeah, it was okay, but I got a little bit out of it, okay? We, how, how many are the same way? Man, it was good today, wasn't it? Right? It's because we see it as receiving. Worship is not receiving. Worship is giving. 
Worship is me expending my energy, my passion. I want to change the way we look at it. It's bringing the sacrifice and laying it up on the altar. If you attend service and all you do is receive, you can't call that worship. Worship is giving. Worship is not about us. I want you to repeat that after me. Worship is not about me. So there should never even be a time that we should have to say, come on, sing it out. Right? Come on, clap your hands. Raise a hand. By the way, all of that is biblical. Every bit of it. There's a reason that it's all in the Bible because that's what God likes. He likes the fact that we open up our mouth and we, we expend our energy. Think about how much time you and I spend expending our energy, our passion on other things. And yet when it comes to the things of God, we can serve our energy. We can serve our passion, right? Come on, am I speaking to anybody but me today? It's either quiet because you're ticked off or it's getting to you right now. I don't know which one it is. Maybe both. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It got to me and now I'm mad about it. Right? Worship. Let's change our mindset. We bring a sacrifice and we lay it on an altar to be consumed. Worship is about giving. And worship is not just about giving. Worship is about giving ourselves. Give your lives, give your bodies as a sacrifice to be laid on the altar and to be consumed with fire. How many of you have ever laid yourself on an altar before and as soon as it got hot, like, woo, get up, oh, put the fire out, gone, yeah. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. I know I have. I'm all in, God, I'm all in. Oh, that's really hot. That's too hot. Backing off, right? That's not what a sacrifice does. And that's what Paul said. I implore you to give your lives as a living sacrifice. You lay it upon the altar. And you don't fuss when it gets too hot. You don't fuss when it gets too demanding. When a commitment is required and called for, you just understand. That's what we do. God gave all. Now we give all. Another thing that I find interesting is that the fuel, the sacrifice, becomes a part of the flame. You ever just looked at wood that you put into and you set it on fire and then you come back and it's gone? There's a little ash left, but it is gone. That's because the fuel becomes a part of the fire. Years ago, many years ago, I think I was 17 years old, and I went and preached at this church in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, and I was preaching on Romans chapter 12. I, I want you all to know this is not the first time I've preached on this before, just so, just so you know that. Uh, Romans 12, and, and I thought, man, it would be really cool if I could do an illustration. So I had this great idea. I brought out this trash can, and I put newspaper in it and set that puppy on fire. <laughs> and just smoke just started going everywhere. Beep, 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 beep. Ushers are running up, fire extinguisher. Just completely destroyed everything that I was about to do. 
And, and I realized suddenly something's not right here. These people are in more shock than they should be about this. And then I remembered that this was a new church. And there's a reason it was a new church. You guessed it. Two years before, it had burned to the ground. And there I was just setting a fire right on stage for my illustration. So guys, would y'all bring that bucket out here? I'm going to set an object. Don't. All right. The point is, though, that the fuel becomes a part of the fire. Getting more of God requires me giving more of me. But the more I give of me, the more he gives of him. As he's requiring more, he's also giving more. And you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I want the band to come join me. I want to wrap it up. And next time, when we go into this next few moments of worship, I want you to go in with all of your heart today. I want to ask you this. How much time and energy and passion and attention do you spend on other things? I mean, we will spend hours on things that don't even matter, right? Whether it's watching it, listening to it, scrolling through it, liking it, right? We, we just so much time on things that don't matter. What about the things that do matter, though? Many, we also spend a lot of time on things that do matter, notable things, with family. So it's a big deal, priority, to be family, right? Spend time with family. Spend time working, making a living to provide. Spend time serving or in the community. Whatever it is that you do, there are notable things that we spend time on. But none of them are worthy of the attention and the adoration compared to Him. I don't care how grand it is. Nothing and nobody is worthy of what He's worthy of. Look at this scripture in Revelations 4. So you are worthy, O Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you please. Deuteronomy 10 and 20. You must fear the Lord your God. Worship Him. I love this. Cling to Him. Your oaths must be in His name. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise. So I don't know what you've been spending your time on and why you've been reserving your passion and your energy and your attention from God. But I want to ask you today, will you just today make a commitment to give Him everything? Close your eyes this morning. No one looking around. Have you asked Him to be the Lord of your life? And remember, when He's Lord of anything, He has to be Lord of everything. Have you asked Him to do that? Maybe you've never even had that conversation with Him. That you would even start a conversation with Jesus Christ. But today... I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Or maybe you you would consider yourself a believer of Jesus Christ. But have you really given Him everything? I mean, all of it. I'm not holding anything back. 
I'm opening up all the doors. I'm opening up all the closets and the drawers. It's, I'm open, it's all yours. I'm giving it all to you. If that's you today, I want to give you an opportunity to make a fresh start with Jesus Christ. At our early service today, it was incredible to watch hands go up all across this room. Won't you join with them this morning and make a fresh start with Jesus? Tell him, I'm giving you everything that I have. My heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm bringing it to you. If that's you today, as a sign of obedience and a sign of belief, would you just raise your hand up as high as you can right now? Come on, all across the room. Man, let's go. Come on, up high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to give him everything that I have today. Come on, up high. Keep it up. Keep it up. All that I have. All that I have. I'm not withholding anything back from you. All right, put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed, though. How about those of you today that would say, there's a portion of me that I've been withholding from him, and today I want to give that over to him. Maybe you need to walk in forgiveness. Maybe it's time for you to walk in joy. Maybe it's time for you to walk in faith. But today you want to say, I'm giving him all that I have. Would you just raise a hand up? I'm giving him everything that I have today. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, put your hand down. Open your eyes. All right, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand one more time. Come on up high. There's some people sitting around you. I'm fired up. There's some people sitting around you right now that are about to pray a prayer for the very first time. There are people that are about to make a fresh start. You're sitting, it's like sitting in a a delivery room. Talk about Labor Day, baby. But some delabor and delivery about to happen right around you right now. Come on, would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus Christ, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are the Lord of everything. And today, with all these people as my witness, I say that you are my Lord. I give you everything that I have. I give you my talents, my abilities, my strength, my mind, my heart. You get the good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything is yours. Forgive me of my sins. Cover me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. And help me to live an overcoming, abundant, and everlasting life with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, amen.